We're glad to be here together. Please turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. You know, we're continuing our series on the Sermon of the Mount. Most people think about it in terms of the Beatitudes where the pure, in, the pure in heart shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart shall they so see God. And they think it's only that first section. But Jesus goes on and he teaches them as we're walking through this. Um, we're going to see, he begins to reveal things about uh, life and about how things work. And uh, this morning, I want to ask you guys this question. How many of you have ever played charades? Anybody ever done that? It's kind of an old game, right? Um, and it's so funny because anytime somebody suggests it, everybody's kind of kind of like that. Oh, and then everybody plays and everybody has a great time, right? Isn't that the way it goes? Uh, but the game plays with this idea that you're acting something out and guessing what it is or guessing who that person is. Um, I won't be asking for volunteers this morning, but that's kind of the way that the game goes. And what I realized was Jesus is dealing with that mentality here is instead of putting on a show or focusing on the behavior to identify he moves more to the heart of the matter. And so this morning, we're going to, I'm going to be speaking to you on the subject, The Heart Matters. And so we're going to pick up in verse 27 and read all the way down through verse 37 of Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust, in her, with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If the right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for the whole body to be thrown into hell. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for the whole body to go into hell. Verse 31. It was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except for the reason of unchastity makes her commit adultery. Whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that the ancients were told you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and ask that you will speak to our hearts. And Father, we pray that what's true will be known and that, Father, we will um, submit to you and to you what you are saying here. And I pray that we'll know that clearly. And uh, Father, the only voice we desire to hear today is yours. And so speak to us, Father, we pray, we thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we discuss the heart, what the things that matter to the heart or that the heart matters, we're going to find that we're going to address our mind, we're going to address our relationships, and we're going to address our vows. Jesus expands, he begins by expanding our understanding of some of these Old Testament laws or sayings, focusing on the heart. And he begins... With the one where he says, you shall not commit adultery. We're all familiar with that. That comes out of uh, Exodus 
chapter 20. And so uh, Jesus says, now, if we look at a woman with lust for her, we've already committed adultery in our heart. So he moves from the behavior to the mind. And he begins to address that as he goes through this passage. That it's more than just not doing actions or focusing on the actions of life. It's about the heart and about what is happening within our heart or not within our heart. And so it's, you know, it's really an interesting thing. This is, you know, kind of an uncomfortable subject for all of us. Um, and it's only uncomfortable because there's some, there's some difficult things in here that can hurt. Uh, because we've gone through and had some difficulty in this world adjusting and making changes. And um, so God begins to speak to that. And so he says, man, this is, because see, here's the bottom line. What happens on the outside begins on the inside, doesn't it? If you're going to act with anything, with whether it's positive or negative, it starts in your mind. And so Jesus is beginning to deal with that here because it's so easy to say, well, don't do this behavior and everything will be fine. Well, it's not fine. Uh, he wants us to set our minds where it's supposed to be. Then Jesus tells us this. He says, if our right hand or eye makes us stumble, it's better to remove them than to let them lead us down a path of sin. You ever wondered about that? You ever wondered when you read those verses? They're pretty harsh, aren't they? You know, we don't see a lot of eye patches or a lot of prosthetic hands, do we? You don't see that much anymore. You don't see people doing that. So what is he talking about? You know, if my right hand offends me, if my right eye causes me to stumble... You know, these sound pretty harsh to do that. And what he's saying, as you, as you walk your way through that, you see at the groundwork in the context of what's around there, what Jesus is doing is he's saying, to get your heart right, because if you don't, the things that you're going to behave with, these, it would be better that you did not have them then you allow this to empower your body to do things it shouldn't do. And we so often will say, well, sin is okay. I mean, I'm not hurting anybody. You ever heard that one? This doesn't really hurt anybody. You know, it's just, I'm only thinking about it. It's only in my mind. And I know I probably shouldn't think about that, but that's okay. And, and, and we, we kind of make provision as long as we don't think we're hurting somebody else. And our mind is important. A lot of spiritual warfare is waged in our mind, ladies and gentlemen. If the enemy can get you to believe something about yourself that's not true, it will affect what you do. We were talking about that this morning in my class. I said, if I get down on all fours and crawl around and meow, does that make me a cat? I said, what would you do if I did that? Elliot said he would call the cops. So... <laughs> Behavior does not identify you. We are who we are in Christ. And behavior flows out of that. Not to become. I don't become a cat by acting like a cat. Any more than I become a car by standing in a garage. I am who I am and I do the things that I am. Because of who God made me. Now what happens when I don't act in consistency with that? We have a flesh that we have option of listening to from time to time that misleads us or takes us down the wrong paths. 
And so Jesus wants to tell them it's more than behavior, guys. It's more than just doing the right things. It's having the right heart about it. And so, <clears throat> so here's the question. Can your eye, can your eye or your hand make you sin? Can your eye or your hand make you sin? You ever read that? It said, if your hand causes you to do this, or your eye, or can they cause you to do that? I don't think with my hand or my eye. I think with my brain, right? So why would he ask it that way? <clears throat> because we want to place blame on other things rather than taking responsibility. And so he asked them, and deals with it like that. They don't have the ability to make decisions. My hand don't. We have to cut the problem out of our mind. And so what is he saying? Don't allow sin to stay in your life unaddressed. Don't allow it to stay unaddressed. We so often go through life and well, it's okay. It doesn't hurt anybody. It doesn't matter. Um, it's, you know, I'll kind of fit God in. Have you ever thought about that? Fitting God into your life? How about fitting our life or, or surrendering to the plan that God actually has for our life? Wouldn't that be a better choice? Wouldn't it be better than saying, you know, I'm kind of adding God to what I'm doing instead of saying, God, what would you have me to do? Wouldn't that be better? To follow after that? And so he deals with their mind. Sin is not just an overt act. It happens in our mind and both are sin. So he deals with that here. But he also moves on to our relationships. Isn't it interesting that he moves from adultery to divorce? And he's dealing with marriage, our, our marriage relationship. And he tells us here that you can divorce, he says you can only divorce your wife for unchastity. In other words, if she cheats. It's not, now listen, this is not encouraged. That's not encouraged. You know why? Because anybody who's been divorced will tell you how awful it is and how hard and hurtful it is. And God never wants us to go through things that are hurtful for no reason. Forgiveness is what's encouraged. Divorce is hurtful. If you divorce her for any other reason, you make her commit adultery. Incompatibility and burnt food are not a reason for divorce today. But not a reason for divorce. Now, let me say this. Divorce is one of these things that seems in the, in the history of the church to be an unforgivable sin. Let me tell you something. That is not true. That things happen in life and people go through difficult things. And our goal when we meet together is to encourage each other unto Love and good works. That's what the verse says. Well, but that's how they look at me. No, it's not how they look. It's not, that's not, should not be the case. Because things happen in life. We're not here to judge anybody. I'm just here to tell you what he said. That's not what this is about this morning. And so, relationships matter. They're not, those are not biblical reasons for divorce. Incompatibility or burnt food. Listen, 
If you marry a woman who was divorced for any other reason uh, than unchastity, then you're also committing uh, adultery. Men, pay attention. Just being single does not mean biblically available. Yeah, I know this is uncomfortable for you. It's uncomfortable for me too. It is. I'm there with you. But it was next. And we're going to preach the whole counsel of the Word of God. Amen? Amen. Whether we like it or not. Whether I like it or not. There's things in here I don't like. And you know what the problem is? It ain't the book. If I don't like it, the problem is me. And so he deals with that here. Listen, I want to encourage you, if you can help it, don't divorce. Those of you, if you have been through one, you know what I'm talking about. How painful and awful and difficult that can be. Try to work it out. God doesn't want you to go through that. And so our relationships matter. But then he talks about our vows in verse 33 through 37. He reminds us again, the ancients told us not to make false vows and keep our vows to the Lord. And so the focus here was not, was not just vows to the Lord, it was our vows to one another, the promises that we kept. And so Jesus changes it, or gives us more understanding. And to make an oath by anything other than God, own, wait a minute, let me back up. Jesus changes it to make no oath by anything that God owns or by your own self. We can't, in other words, I can't say, I swear by the Mount Everest that I'm going to do this for you. You know, kids do that all the time. People do that all the time. We want to swear by something. Um, and we're doing that to lend credibility to our word. That's the only reason people swear by things. Well, I swear on my grandma's grave that if any, you know, you ever hear that? We hear that in movies. We've said that as kids. And we're doing that because our word ain't good enough. Right? If I did everything I said, I wouldn't have to swear by anything. And so he's addressing that here. He's addressing their integrity. You could even say this is about integrity. Listen. We don't have any control over the things that God has control over them. We don't even have control of our own bodies. And swearing by them is only meant to give your word credibility. Listen, the issue is integrity. And that's why he tells them to let your yes be yes and your no be no. And then he goes further than that. He says anything more is evil. Anything more than that is evil. Because what we're trying to do is give somebody a different perception of us than the truth. Right? If I'm trying to make somebody believe me, and I'm using by swearing by things to do that, then there's a problem with my integrity. Deal with that. And how you deal with that is, if you tell somebody something, do it. If you tell them no then don't do it. You know, we've lost integrity in this world today, haven't we? It's basically what you can prove anymore. Or trying to gain an advantage. What happened to standing up and being men and women and boys and girls of our word? 
If I say it, I'm going to do it. If I tell you I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. I'll tell you this. <laughs> in business, those who have integrity do very well. Those who don't, don't. In relationships, those who have integrity do very well. And those who don't, don't. And if you're telling somebody something to get something for you, that's not integritous. I'm not sure that's a word, but it works. <laughs> and so demonstrate integrity in all that we do. He talks about our vows here. If your yes and no are no good, then swearing by something else is really, we're deceiving them. That's what we're doing into believing you, and that's evil. Remember this, if your handshake is no good, your signature is no better. Right? I'll tell you, a man that looks me in the eye and shakes my hand and tells me what he's going to do and then does it and holds a ton of weight with me. But if they look me in the eye and they go do something else and it doesn't, you know, when they tell me again, am I going to believe them? That's why your yes needs to mean yes and your no needs to be no. That's the way it works. And so if the heart matters, then we need to make sure of a few things. We need to make sure that we don't make allowances for our sin. It's easy to do, especially when there's sins of our mind or things we believe won't hurt anybody else. Here's the truth. All sin hurts everybody. Even if it's only in your mind. It hurts your family. It hurts the people around you. It hurts you. I mean, have a little self-respect. Well, it's only hurting me. Oh, okay, that's okay. Why would we do things to hurt ourselves? That doesn't make any sense. Well, how is it hurting me? I'm glad you asked that question. Because we're missing out on some of the things that God could be revealing to us. Or learning His Word. Or being in relationships with other people that where God can use us because we're spending time having a thought life that doesn't honor God. It's not okay. Have some self-respect and not miss out on what God has for you. And so if the heart matters, don't make allowances for that. Listen. Two, fight for your home, ladies and gentlemen. We live in a world that takes all relationships as casual, including marriage, these days. We have, no, we have no fault divorce, and we treat it like a high school breakup. Listen, God's will is that we don't really divorce for any reason. Any reason. That's why Jesus pictured himself as Christ in the church. We're the bride of Christ. We have eternal relationships. And I know there's... Maybe somebody in here who's been divorced, and I understand that. And I understand things, and I'm sorry that that happened in your life. I know how hurtful that had to have been. I don't know firsthand, thank God. But I know that, and I'm sorry you went through that. And God doesn't want you to go through that either. That's why he lays it down here for us. And so fight for your home, ladies and gentlemen. Three. Integrity matters. We need people of high integrity. Listen, integrity is what you do when nobody's looking. 
when nobody's looking. You know, we think sometimes we think we can get away with things or, you know, nobody's going to know. What if you could get away with something and nobody knew? Would you still do it? The answer to that question tells you where your integrity is. And it matters. It matters. You know, <laughs> you know, we're growing up in a culture of easy believism where our Christianity doesn't cost us anything. And it is a free gift to us, don't get me wrong. But we want to have whatever life we want and just add God into it and get heaven when we die. And that's not what Jesus died to give you. He died to give you eternal life. And eternal life is not one directional. It's multi-directional. It's from the moment of your coming to faith in him. Salvation is not a destination. It's a person who wants to engage you. Now. Not tomorrow. These things get in the way, ladies and gentlemen. They get in the way of engaging God. And that's why he addresses it. Don't try to take advantage of other people. Do the right thing knowing that if no one sees it, God sees it. If nobody sees it, God sees it. You know, I heard this story a long time ago. But there's a little boy, and as little boys go, he was rambunctious and kind of acting up, and creating a problem for his mom. It's not smart boys out there. All you boys, don't make problems for your mom. Love your mom. She gives everything for you. And all the mom said, <laughs> if you only knew what your mom is going through for you. But this little boy was giving his mom grief and disrespecting her. So, so the mom sent the boy to the corner and said, I want you to go sit in the corner and think about what you've done. A little boy on his way over, under his breath, where his mom could hear, says, well, I may be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. <laughs> and we need to make sure that that's not how we approach our Christian walk. Like, well, I'm going to do it, but that's not what I really want to do, and I'm just going to do it anyway. God doesn't call us to that. God doesn't call us to just to muddle through and make it. He calls us to victory, to peace, to hope, to experiencing him in every moment, to him plowing the road that we get to walk down, sometimes with our hand on the plow, sometimes riding the ox. He's called us to a, a life that he's laid out for us from the foundation of the world. And the most important thing we can do is fall in line and discover that. And these things get in the way. They get in the way. All the things of life, integrity, um, having our mindset right, getting things that, you know, how many of you have ever, <laughs> I'm sure this has never happened to anybody. You ever 
ridden uh, up to church and on the way fighting in the car. Anybody ever do that? Yeah, don't fight in the car. That's why Terry and I drive separate. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and then the church door open. Hi, how are you? I'm fine and you're fine. We're all fine. We put on our little church mask. And then we go, well, that church didn't minister to me at all today. Well, I didn't know you. How could they? And you know why? I'm just going to cut to the chase with you. People don't believe the church is safe anymore. They feel judged. They don't feel loved. They don't feel accepted. And that's what's going on out there. And that's why we're afraid to really get cut through this where we can really get some deep roots and grow. Now, I haven't experienced that here, but that's, it's in the church in general. Here, I found love and acceptance and the ability to fail. Isn't that a good thing, right? I want this whole team shooting for the goal because some of the balls aren't going to go in, but that's okay. Some of them will go in. We have to be what, what Jesus created the church to be, folks. And what Paul talked about was, he talked about that we're to have love for one another. We're to lift each other up. We're to be a champion to one another. We're to be a safe place. And so when you mess up, if I'm there, you know what my job is? pick you up, to love you, to dust that off, put a little nail spore on it, and let's keep moving. My job is not to start digging a grave. We're the only army in the world that buries its wounded. And I won't be a part of it. Because you know what? This may be hard to believe, but I make mistakes too. <laughs> Thank you. That was my father, those of you who don't know. <laughs> I make them too. And I don't need judgment. I need to be picked up and dusted off. Wouldn't you rather be in a place like that? Amen? Amen, Amen. that's what we're building. And so I'm glad you're here. For the record, I did not enjoy this passage, <laughs> but it's truth, and that's a problem with me. I'll admit that, because the truth hurts sometimes, doesn't it? You ever have people in your life that say they're your friends, but they won't tell you the truth? How many of you love friends that tell you the truth straight out? Boom, look at that. Look what we've created. Oh, my. <laughs> Stephen, pray for me. I'll pray for you. <laughs> because you know they really love you, don't you? It's genuine. And that's what matters. And so the heart matters. The Bible tells us that God judges from the heart. His eyes move to and fro throughout the earth, seeking those whose behavior is exactly what he wants it to be. No. 
whose hearts are completely his. Look what God is looking for. Doesn't that matter? Does your heart belong to the Lord? Does it belong to you still? That's the question. Because all these decisions that we make, that he talks about, are either about us or they're about him. And I'll tell you, when my heart is making decisions for him and for me, they're different decisions. And so I would encourage you this morning to ask yourself, what has God been speaking to you about this morning, today, this week, in your own personal Bible study? And have you responded to him? Because he's after your heart, ladies and gentlemen. He wants your heart. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.